Amen. A fiddler on the roof sounds crazy, no? But here in our little village of Anatevka, you might say every one of us is like a fiddler on the roof, trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck. It isn't easy. You may ask, why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous? Well, we stay up there because Anatevka is our home. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition. Tradition. Oh, there's no one to play. All right. <laughs> I guess that's the end of the monologue. That, of course, is the opening monologue from Fiddler on the Roof, which uh, it sums up the main idea of the story. The traditions that keep the, the community together, they're in conflict with modernity and a changing world. In Messianic Judaism, we have a, a similar fine line to walk, similar balance that we have to do. What role should tradition have in our community? When is it okay to break with tradition? What are the limits of tradition and the benefits of tradition? These are some of the questions I would like to tackle today. So let's start off, because I'm, I'm a very positive person, let's start off with the positive side of tradition. The Tanakh, or uh, the Torah and the Jewish scriptures, uh, was written about 3,000 years ago in a different country with a different culture. So many of the laws in the Torah simply cannot be followed today as they were written, um, especially those concerning the temple sacrifices. Uh, moreover, the Torah was written for an agricultural society, which is no longer the case for most of us. Uh, how many of you have farms? We got a few, few farmers out here. Oh, nice. Savannah, you're a farmer. Very nice. So um, how can we make sense of the Torah in today's time and place? Well, one of the tools that we have in our belt is tradition. Tradition has allowed us to apply Torah commandments uh, in different contexts. Resting on Shabbat, that is the Torah commandment. However, the lighting of the candles, the blessings over the bread and the wine, the songs and the prayers, the specific ways that we stop working and, and, and start resting, these are all derived from tradition. The talit, this, developed as a tradition to support the Torah commandment to wear fringes. So in Deuteronomy 22:12 we read this. Make tassels on the four corners of your cloak of the cloak you wear. So that's that is the Torah commandment, right? Nothing about how to attach them or the color uh, or the um, the way that you know you're supposed to sew it up and the the blessing on top. So all of that comes from tradition. Uh, moreover, wearing a kippah like this, this is not in the Torah. It's a tradition that started in the medieval period. Nevertheless, the kippah that I'm wearing, it supports the Torah's values. It shows reverence and respect for Hashem. The thing is that between the 5th century, approximately, and the 1970s, there has not been a consistent community of Yeshua followers that are Jewish. 
to address this gap in Torah practice, we need these traditions. We need Jewish tradition to guide us. They are the foundation on which we build halakha, or the way to walk out the Torah commandments. Tradition offers the building blocks by which we can create authentic Jewish life. Without tradition, we have nothing to fill in the gaps of time and Jewish practice. Moreover, tradition has held together the Jewish people as a distinct people group. If Hashem called the children of Israel to covenant with him and to worship him and to be a blessing to all the other nations of the earth, then they must remain distinct. And in order for the Jews to bless the nations, there must be Jews as a people. Traditions have kept back the assimilation of the Jewish people into other people groups. And my understanding of history is that God used tradition to keep us distinct as a people. One other ancient people group is still a people group, right? Where are the Hittites and Shiites and Jebusites? You see any? Where are the stalactites and the stalagmites? Just, just seeing if you're paying attention. But seriously, none of these people groups is around. If God wants to bless all the families of the earth through the children of Abraham, as it says in Genesis 12, then there must be children of Abraham around to do this. So therefore, if God has preserved the Jewish people through tradition, and if we need tradition in order to fulfill some of the Torah commandments, perhaps we should have a certain reverence for tradition. Now, let's turn our attention to some of the traditions here at Tikvat Israel. One of them, main one, being the liturgy, right? Is there a benefit to chanting something in an ancient language over and over every week? Well, yes, beyond the reasons that I've already described for tradition, preservation of the people and the allowance for Torah observance, there are many deeper meanings behind the traditions that we do. For example, in our liturgy, what we start with is called Pesuke de Zimra, or the hymnal verses. That's the, uh, um, the first couple of things we do. We do the Shokain Ad, and we do the Yishtabach, and they're under this category. And if you notice, I don't know if we can pull up, I didn't tell him to do this beforehand, but if you pull up any of the liturgy, any, anything from the liturgy at all, on the bottom, it says what the section is. You see that? Pesuke de Zimra. All right, so this is the beginning of our liturgy. Um, it's actually labeled that way. Um, these are designed at the beginning of the service to get us into the right posture for worship. It reminds us that God is exalted and holy, and we are here to worship him. Sort of, we're coming off the street, right, and from our conversations into a, a, a mode where we're focusing on the Lord. And the idea is that we have kavanah, which is, means intention, before we enter into the kind of heavier prayers. And the next section is the Shema, excuse me, which is actually a whole section. It's not just the, the, the prayer of the Shema. It starts with the Baruchu. And then we move into the main part of the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity, Yeshua, he is the Messiah. He is Lord of all. Thank you. That looks good. Um, so the center of the Shema is about the unity of God, 
The Lord our God is one God. This has been the central theological statement of Judaism for centuries. It is in this prayer that we as a Messianic Jewish community, we actually amend this tradition. We do this by adding Yeshua to the unity of God. That is, we include Yeshua in the identity of the oneness of God. As Paul states in 1 Corinthians 8 through 6, he does the same thing. He says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Yeshua the Messiah, through whom all things came and through whom we live. The unity of God is fulfilled in the lordship of Yeshua. Paul was familiar with the Shema, right? And he was familiar with the verses that it's based on in Deuteronomy. And he created a new tradition to reflect this understanding of Torah, this revelation, an understanding which we embrace in our community. Therefore, tradition doesn't have to be static. It can be dynamic, especially to reflect the reality of Yeshua within Judaism. There is a tradition also where we cover our eyes during the recitation of the Shema. Um, This reflects, uh, according to tradition, it reflects the importance of shutting out distractions uh, during, it's our central prayer, so we're sort of zeroing in, not looking around us at that time. It also reflects the glory of the Lord when Moses, if you remember when uh, Moses came back from the mountain from receiving the Torah, his face was shining. He had to put a veil on. So it, it goes back to that because we get the Torah from Moses, really from God, but through Moses. Um, traditions can be rich in meaning and they can bring life to the regular worship, right? If we understand the intention behind it. Also part of the Shema is the Ve'ahavta, right? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this is our response to God's unity and holiness that we've just said. We can love him back, right? By following his commands, remembering his Torah, teaching it to others, to our children. And then connected to this idea of loving God is loving our neighbor, So this is the point where we get up and we greet one another, right? Where do we get the idea for this connection? It's from the sayings of Yeshua. Again, Yeshua is part of the way that we interpret our tradition. It's the lens through which we can see and obey the Torah. Then we have the Amidah, which is the standing prayer. You don't have to act it out if you don't want to. Um, and it's speaking of the God of our fathers, right? It's, he, he's the God of Abraham, reminding us that it's not the, the same God that Abraham worshipped, that Abraham walked with. That's the God that we follow, that, that is with us. It links us to the tradition of Jews centuries ago. There's evidence that the Amidah went as far back, this prayer, as the time of Yeshua, right, and the second temple. So when Yeshua mentions, he mentions at one point those who stand in the synagogue, right? He's probably referring to this prayer because it's the standing prayer. Um, The beginning of the Amidah reminds us that we are linked backwards hundreds, even thousands of years by our traditional prayers. Not only that, but we're linked uh, at 
at this time, right, to all the other synagogues around the world who are saying the same prayers at the same time. It links us to the rest of the Jewish community. Then after the avot, the Father's Prayer, we talk about the might of God, that God is life from the dead. We use the gibor Adonai. What amazes me about this prayer, I remember when I first started coming to, to Tikvat, I was like, this is surely, this is a messianic addition. But it's not. It's a traditional Jewish prayer. And it proclaims that God can bring even life from the dead. Blessed are you, O Lord, who resurrects the dead. This is a traditional non-messianic Jewish prayer. And then the climax of liturgy comes. This is the Kedusha, the holiness of God. And this prayer actually reflects worship as it is in heaven. It's, it's supposed to usher us into the throne room of God. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 3, explains a vision that Isaiah had of heavenly worship. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. We're calling, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. This sounds familiar, right? This is the same verse that, um, that we chant when we're doing the Kedusha. This is a beautiful tradition. It's, it's linking us to the worship of God in heaven. May Hashem create an open heaven in this sanctuary where we can come into his presence through the traditions in such a way to encounter the living God. And then we have the modern Messianic Jewish music, which is, it's, frankly, it's not traditional in, uh, in a synagogue, right? So, so we should get rid of it, right? No? No, of course not. It makes the service dynamic and lively. We love, we love you, David. We love your music. Yes. A hand for the worship team. Right? This is a tradition borrowed from the Christian church, although we modify it to have Jewish songs and, and Hebrew uh, words throughout all of our music. It's an ex excellent example of modifying tradition in order to create an environment of worship, to bring glory to God, and to bring us into the presence of Hashem. And next, we have the Torah service, Kiryat HaTorah. I would describe this as the center of the service, not, not the sermon. What I'm doing is not the center. The Torah, the Torah is the center because it's the center of Judaism. And Yeshua, who is the living Torah, he is the center of Messianic Judaism. These traditional prayers and readings connect us to the Ark of the Covenant, God's covenant with Israel and to Moses, our father, through whom the Torah came. The Torah reading cycle and the blessings, the procession of the Torah all around the synagogue, the respect we give to God's word when we, when we touch the Torah with our talit and with our prayer books, none of these are written in the Torah. None of these is a commandment. They're all, they all came to us through Jewish tradition. It's hard to imagine a synagogue service without these traditions because they powerfully remind us of God's 
favor and his goodness and faithfulness in giving us his Torah. And after this, we have the Musaf prayers, which is basically additional prayers. And this includes the mourner's Kaddish, which we read. What's interesting about this prayer, it, it has no mention of death in it at all. It's only talking about the glory and goodness of God. It's a traditional reminder that even or especially when we are in mourning, our only recourse, the only thing we can do is to worship God. He is the source of life and comfort. He is always worthy of praise, no matter what we're going through. And he can bring, he alone can bring healing to our grief. Only God can turn our mourning into dancing. So we have seen the beauty and purpose of many of our traditions in the liturgy. But are there limits to the reverence we should give tradition? Yes. When tradition contradicts the weightier matters of Torah or the words of Yeshua or morality or even the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, tradition can and should be overruled. Yeshua takes up the same issue with tradition, um, one tradition in particular, in Matthew 15, verses 1 through 6. And this is what it says. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Yeshua from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. So there's an issue with tradition. And Yeshua replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? So he's saying, why do you put the commandment of God under the tradition? They're both good, right? But you're putting one above the other. You have the wrong order. For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is, quote-unquote, devoted to God— They are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So what is Yeshua talking about here? Basically, some of the people were over-tithing, right? So the tithe is is 10%. So they thought, well, if that's just 10%, I can do even better, and I can get rid of my whole property and just give that that away, and then... um, but then my parents would have nowhere to live in their old age. So this is the problem. So they were raising the tradition, tithing their entire estate over the weightier matters of the Torah, the more important matters, which is honoring your parents, right? The weightier matters of the Torah are the commands that are closer to the moral center of Torah. In my last sermon, I spoke about how the center of the Torah commands are love for God and love for others. So this should be our our center, and all the commands should focus back to that. So in other words, there are limits, there are edges to tradition. But when it's applied correctly in subordination to the heavier matters of the Torah and to the sayings of Yeshua and to the Ruach, tradition is beautiful. It should not be embraced without condition, but it should be embraced. After all, Hashem has used tradition to keep us together as a people over the years. 
It's full of meaning and joy. It links us to generations past. It connects us to the rest of the Jewish community. It allows us to keep the Torah commandments, and it directs us toward meaningful worship of God. So the next time we say a traditional prayer, let's not do it by just road drudgery, this one again, right? But let's do it with appreciation, with kavanah, intention, with a heart of worship. We can actually worship, worship God through tradition. Traditions are a mighty tool in the hand of the worshiper, a mighty tool to connect with the living God. How blessed we are to be considered carriers of these traditions so that they may be passed on. How blessed are we to be one link in the generations of God worshipers. Doing our traditions with intention and true worship is what will keep our Messianic Jewish community strong from generation to generation, Lador Vador, and bring glory to God. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray.